They're being called the Twitter files, and Elon Musk says Americans deserve to know. But the Georgia Senate race is front and center, and Newt Gingrich warns Republicans that Joe Biden is winning the fight. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer on all the top stories, and then the controversy with the changes to death certificates that inflated the pandemic's official death toll. Engineer John Bodwin is suing the Massachusetts governor, the state public health commissioner, and medical examiners for feeding allegedly fraudulent data to the feds. And the White House says creating jobs and tackling climate change go hand in hand? Yet it's the decimation of jobs due to the net zero goals against fossil fuels that is forcing us to go to countries like Venezuela to beg for oil, explains Matt Cody, founder and president of Oil and Gas Workers Association. It's a game of follies on Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the lies and deceit and bring forth real talk from real people about real news providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour this is viewpoint this sunday welcome to the weekend news magazine viewpoint this sunday it is malcolm out loud here And I'm here to report, my fellow Americans, it is surely a game of smoke and mirrors in our nation. (laughs) Hard to follow the bouncing balls as always, and it's always a little more interesting week to week to see the news stories pile on as to what's developing here. And we've got a show full of all kinds of magic tricks today for you. Uh, Before we get to the end of this, you'll learn a lot over the next hour, I am certain. Got some fascinating guests lined up here. And, uh, of course, uh, top on the news is going to be Elon Musk and uh, what he's doing over there at Twitter. Some interesting things and angles, and I have a couple of thoughts about that as well we'll share. Let's do that right top of the broadcast here with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is the president of the London Center for Policy Research. He's a CIA-trained intelligence operations officer, 35 years of experience in global and national security, and... uh, Elon Musk put a tweet out himself that said the Twitter files uh, on. I love the way he he did that, like the wiki files. So he's got a brand now, the Twitter files on free speech suppression, soon to be published on Twitter itself. The public deserves to know what really happened. And of course, he did some on Friday, did some on Saturday. And here we are on Sunday. I I don't know. Well, I guess the first question is, did you I mean, we knew a lot. We already knew what we knew. Was there any other smoking gun in there that you picked up that we missed? Maybe. Well, no, I think the one thing that I think everybody uh, may be glossing over, which needs to be recognized. This happened under President Trump's watch. I mean, let's let's not get ourselves. This all was happening. The FBI and DHS under the Donald Trump administration going out and working to prime the pump to give uh, essentially government encouragement, if not direction, to suppress information that uh, would have uh, would have damaged the Joe Biden campaign. So in my judgment, the coup that started under Barack Obama, uh, which we all knew was the Russia collusion narrative, never ended. It just, it just transmuted. 
it moved from uh, the allegation of wrongdoing to basically hiding the real wrongdoing of Joe Biden, and that that was apparent through the whole Russia, the, the whole uh, Ukraine uh, impeachment, and this it's, it's one continuous string, and this is the latest. And to me, if you pull that string, <laughs> it, it all will essentially like a, a root of a tree come pull, come out. And I think mm. that's what we have to examine this for, right, right. Malcolm. We can't just look at this as another incident. We got to look at this as a continuing uh, series of, of, uh, of events relating to a, a long-term yeah. campaign by, I'll just say it, the deep state. So you know, that's what was going on here. All right. So listen, I mean, you, you took the words out of my mouth. And the fact that you went there, I didn't pride you at all. But what I'm, <laughs> well, no, what I'm driving at, because we didn't talk about any of this before we came on live no, here. The mic went hot. Okay. So and it's not just Twitter. It's, it's just start to connect the dots and think about it this right. way. Twitter, Facebook, Google, the suppression, media outlets. Yeah. It's, again, there's a bigger story here. I, I really am thinking a lot of this is going to be lost because they're drips and drabs and we just keep moving on. But there's a bigger story here about this suppression, Tony. And, right. you know, it's massive in size and scope that created this dilemma. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, based on all of this, and, and combine this, Tony, with the fact that changing the election rules uh, federally and statewide because of COVID, uh, if you think about all that, did Trump or the Republicans ever have a chance really to win in 2020 based on all this? No, they didn't. And um, we've talked about this a little bit before. I actually provided assessments. <laughs> I, I have to be careful here. I gave written assessments to members of President Trump's inner circle saying, this is what's about to happen. And uh, as I've said, you know, while I was the national security advisor, they didn't take the advice. So it's been very frustrating to go back and look. And I was actually uh, talking to one of the mainstream reporters on this. Uh, just recently about the fact that, look, uh, they they were warned, Malcolm. They were given specific and detailed warning of what was about to happen, and they just could not believe it. They refused to believe it. Uh, I met with one of his senior advisors face-to-face, -face, went through and laid it all out, mm -hmm. and basically the, the premise was, well, we're going to win by such a margin we don't have to worry about. It. That was their idea. And it's kind of like, and I got a shiver up my back when that person said that to me. It's like, oh my God, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, when, when you when you examine mm -hmm. uh, from the perspective of now looking back, it, it should have been obvious. It was it was obvious to some of us. It's like we're saying <laughs> they're really not going to let you win. And we said, you know, you've got to be prepared for fighting this yeah. down in the trenches. They wouldn't do it. How come yeah. they wouldn't do it? And you know, so. This is what really I found frustrating right. is that when you when you know, I've done this a day or two. Done, <laughs> yeah. And so when I see patterns, yeah. it's like something, you know, it's something bad's on the horizon. And this is what it looks like to me. Maybe you should listen to what I'm telling you. And it was very frustrating to not have, have them listen. So, you know, let me say to you now, uh, you know, the way when Trump had gone against this whole, uh, uh, I, whatever you want to call them, establishment, uh, the people who are running the program, the people mm -hmm. behind the curtain, I guess. I've, I've got to begin to think, Tony, that I mean, really and truly now, Elon Musk, 
he's got to become an enemy number one or at least two at this point. He can't be very no well liked. And no and doubt. I know he he's coming into this thing. Let me say to you, I mean, listen, listen, he, he's not a dummy. He he as a business model, he's gonna churn, churn over every screw and do everything he can to turn this 44 billion into a trillion dollar. Um, uh, empire he's going to no do doubt. something to do it you know what i mean right. he will he will he will i know he will he's not a dummy he's he's got he's got spaceships going up with spacex all over the place he created one of the biggest and best car companies he's got his hands into more things of, of intelligence than you can shake a stick at he's not a dummy so he's got right. to be playing it that way so how does that who wins this fight is is musk is he successful in this thing or what happens well we're not going to know for a while if he's successful yeah. or not i think yeah. the the, the battle is now underway, and I think the 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 lines have been breached. I mean, if, if this is, I think, in many ways, it's like a World War II campaign. It's not like you're going to, you know, win one battle and the war's over. This is more about multiple meeting engagements, to use a military term, mm-hmm. or you're going to have forces of both sides arrayed against each other fighting, and uh, you're going to we're going to lose some battles coming up because I mean, the left is not taking this laying down. And this is one of those things too. As you, you know, we you did send me an article where you Gingrich is saying, I think we're underestimating Joe Biden and company. I think I think he's right. I think you, you cannot presume because he's an idiot and he's compromised that somehow his ability to manage things as a leader because of, of how evil they are is somehow compromised. It's not uh, just because you've got him. It's like now that you've caught them. It's not like they're going to throw their hands up and say, oh, geez, shucks, I should, we shouldn't have done this. Like, no, they're going to go to the next level of evil. Yeah. We cannot. We cannot make the mistake of presuming and, and, and projecting our goodwill and, and how we are and how we see the world on them. They are not us, yeah. and they are evil. And I'm, I'm just trying to remind people, it's like, I think most people I deal with are good-natured, they're good people. Uh, we're not dealing with good people. We're not dealing with people here who have mm-hmm. ethics. We're dealing with people who believe political power uh, and whatever re- is required to get there is worth whatever the sacrifice is. Yeah. And that includes people like Tim Cook at, at Apple. It includes people like uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who was a, the money launderer extraordinaire FTX, for the Democrat yeah. Party, FTX. Yeah. These people are pure evil. And, and they will sit there and lie to you and say, you know, at one point they're the smartest person in the, in the room and they know what's going on the next thing you know is like oh i had no idea what i was doing you can't blame me that's how evil they are and it's a, yeah. it's a system and a pattern that yeah. goes over and over so well i mean uh, you point out what a lot of people are not seeing is so obvious tony uh you point out what should be but it is not uh in your you nail it the um, article, the op-ed that um, Tony is referencing, let me just say it's in The Guardian, friends. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really good read. Uh, Tony just read it. I sent it to him. Newt Gingrich warns Republicans that Joe Biden is winning the fight. You know, Newt is always good. Is, uh, he, he He's interesting because he's a megaphone. He sees things uh, differently than a lot of other people because he was there. He was there. Yeah. He knows how the operation runs. Right. He knows how the music plays. And when the curtain comes up, you understand he knows all of that. And and he says, you're right. Republicans must quit underestimating Joe Biden, uh, you know, because the president is winning the fight. Uh, and, and he says, we dislike Biden so much. We heavily focus on, uh, you know, he's speaking difficulties, some signs, sometimes strange behavior, you know, like smelling women's hairs and stuff like that, you know, and lapses of memory and personal flaws. And God knows he has a few of those. Right. Uh, but yet he's winning the fight. 
Isn't that the way the left always is, Tony? They're so smooth and, and swift that and the right, I don't know. What what is it with the right? Why do we have some of the dumbest rocks on the right side? I mean, I hate to say it that way. I, you got me. So, uh, look, I've been in a room <laughs> with Newt in meetings, off-the-record meetings with some very powerful people where he's saying exactly what – it's like, don't underestimate these people. Yeah. Don't don't presume because you're winning you're going to win. And, uh, and uh, you know, and I, in one of these meetings, I, I don't want to get into who was in it, uh, he laid out a game plan of how to counter the folks on, on Capitol Hill who were actually doing these immense, immensely – bad things to President Trump. And I know the people in the room got it, but I, I don't believe the people who were above them who had to actually action it were willing to do it, did, willing to do what was necessary. So uh, I admire the fact that, that uh, Newt has been willing to say things and do things, which I think others have not. But that doesn't change the fact that you have people like McCarthy, um, some of the other folks who have been in Republican leadership, uh, McConnell, uh, these people are happy being dupes and getting a chunk of whatever comes down their way as long as they don't have to work for it or be controversial. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think that's what needs to change. And so well, you can put you know. Paul Ryan in that company too. Oh, when, yeah. When he was there, you know, for sure. Yeah. So let me, let me divert now to the Georgia Senate race. I want to get your yeah. sense on this. Now, this is a race you and I have talked about a couple, few times about over the months and months past. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. all right, a couple of polls out now that not that, but you know, you got to follow what they're saying. So the CNN SSRS poll released shows Warnock has a four point lead, 5248. The, the uh, real clear politics has it 5148. If, you know, again, if we're following any bouncing balls here, that's really hard to judge polls, but there's a point to all this. And so what they say here, Tony, this among Georgians, 46 percent of likely voters believe the economy and inflation are the top issues going into the runoff. Well, that's usually the case with an election, as I say, while 17 percent right. think that voting rights and election integrity are the leading issues and 16 percent ranked abortion as the issue of top concern. No other right. issue, including crime, gun policy and immigration, was top importance to over uh, to, you know, 10 percent of Georgians. Now, with all that said, Warnock is a, a confessed Marxist. His policies are extreme and some would even say extremer than Barack Obama. There are plenty of photographs with Barack Obama stumping for him in Georgia. Warnock is uh, he, he's a communist. I, I still for the life of me, Tony, cannot understand what he has in common with Georgian values. I do not get it. I can't connect the dots. What do you make of this race? How is this going to come out? And why the attraction to Warnock at this point for Georgians? Well, I I, I don't get it either. I, I think uh the polls are being put out right now to just to basically, I think, discourage people on the Herschel Walker side from showing up. It's like, yeah, don't even bother. It's a two point lead now, you know, a better, you know, you might as well not even show up. And I think that's what's going on psychologically. This is, again, a psychological uh, operation, I believe, meant to dissuade those from actually voting for their own issue. Uh, one of the things I'm amazed by is the black population, Malcolm not voting in his own interest. They are so devoted to the political party uh, yeah. known as the Democrats that they don't actually recognize that the Democrats aren't doing anything to help them. They're just out to kind of keep them, keep them focused on issues that they never deliver on. Look at Baltimore. Look at all these big cities. Uh, they're trying to use the same thing in Georgia where they make these immense 
promises and never deliver. And I think it's a sad thing. I, I hope the Georgian voters wake up and recognize they're being lied to once more by the folks on the left. Herschel Walker is a good guy. I think he would represent the interests of the Georgian uh, people much better than uh, the Marxist, as you mentioned. But yeah. They've got to figure it out for themselves. Nobody, nobody can figure it out except them. And, and I, I hope they, I hope they figure it out. Well, when we talk next, you, you, your gut tells you: Are you really nervous with Warnock taking it, or do you think Herschel will win it? No, I, I don't know. I actually don't know. I, okay. I'm hoping again that that uh, the powers that be uh, have a a good way of kind of educating people, but I just don't know at this point. Okay, all right. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy and uh, sure. potential Speaker of the House here. Now he is. Uh, He's getting a little nervous. Uh, he doesn't let that out publicly, but whether he gets the 218, I think it is he needs, if I recall the number correctly. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think he's is. got it. I know I, I think he's got it, unfortunately. I mean, I've been talking to folks about this. I was just talking to one of our distinguished fellows, uh, board members earlier this morning from London Center on this. Uh, I think the the vote's going to go, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like this because I know my friend Andy Biggs is running against him. Right. I, I would much rather see Andy because oh, yeah. I know Andy. I yeah. know he'd be an, yeah. an immensely capable leader yeah. in the role of speaker, but I just don't see it, unfortunately, at this point. You're probably the, one of the few I'd have this conversation with. It's not an easy one. A lot of people don't want to talk about this, but I don't think you're quite afraid to talk about it. It was a uh, story that just came into my uh, uh, world here yesterday. It's about Donald mm -hmm. Trump now. And uh, this is, uh, let me get this out because it's fascinating. This is mm -hmm. about political, this is from Politico now. Let me give you the whole card so you know what Oh, the, vo the voice of the deep state. Yes. Okay. Keep going. Politico. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, that's why. But this yeah. is, but there's a lot of uh, uh, bait and switch of smoke and mirrors in this little piece here. So, but it makes us think. Here, here it is. And this is what they're going to do coming now into 2024, by the mm -hmm. way, with Trump. Mm -hmm. So, all right. My question is, is Trump an asset or a liability? Here's what Politico says. And as I throw that question out there, I want you to think about it. And they say this, sure. Donald Trump, the former president, and the person that polls show is still the most likely GOP presidential nominee in 2024. Today on Truth Social, uh, this was on Saturday when I pulled this down now, mm -hmm. called for the suspension of the Constitution to overturn the 2020 election, citing false conspiracy theories about election fraud. And I say, in quote, a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations and articles, even those found of the Constitution, Trump wrote. Hours after new details of Twitter's internal moderation deliberations in 2020 were released at the behest of the new owner, Elon Musk. And then it finishes this way, Tony. Every Republican will be asked about Trump's statement. The former president dined with anti-Semites last week, and now he says the Constitution should be discarded. If you are a Republican who thinks being asked to take a position on this is just some liberal media trap, consider what you would say if Barack Obama or Joe Biden tweeted this. Now, that is a hell of a loaded couple of paragraphs I've just read you, uh, Schaefer, and I am anxious to see how does that, I mean, they put that out there for a lot of people to consume on Saturday. Right. How does that play off? And back to the big point, which is a hard conversation, but based on all that and this request of him out on Truth Social, is Trump an asset or liability at this point coming into 2024? Well, he's both. No, I mean, it, look, it, it, it's eye of the beholder. I, I think what he says is correct. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say, look, uh, there's ample evidence at this point that the federal government, by the way, his federal government, 
was in cahoots <laughs> with the Democrat Party and big tech to to basically uh, create uh, an outcome of the election that is that was not uh, reflective based on the fact that information uh, was actually suppressed that that the federal government his federal government what you're saying is hold on when you say it that way let me make sure something what you're saying is he didn't do enough he didn't do enough he didn't do a damn thing yeah and so 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 trump now needs to you know if he's if he's saying look uh this was a mistake and it needs to be rectified if if there's a legal mechanism to do it then sure go back and do it i'm not saying that that we should just suppress or remove the constitution I, i i'm saying that you should have a legal review of this very thing because it's very clear, Malcolm, that the federal government acted as a political entity. It was not neutral and actually did foster a, a desire. It stated its desire for a, a, a new president. The federal government can't do that. That's that's against the law. You know, you cannot have federal officials deciding something called the Hatch Act is just the tip of the iceberg. You cannot act or, or or speak politically, and yet they did. So this is something that indeed I think needs to be examined. And if there's a legal path to uh, removing uh, Joe Biden, absolutely. In my judgment, it should be impeachment. The mm-hmm. the path to, 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 to basically, I don't think there's a way to redeem what happened. That is to say that you're going to go back and be able to install Trump. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. With that said, there's about 10 things uh that I think are impeachable offenses. This is one of them for the Joe Biden issue. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think there's an ample ample reason to do that. So. And Trump being a strategist, you bring up some good points there. And with Trump being a strategist, and with them taking the House of Representatives back and all of this, uh, it probably there's a lot of strategy to him doing what he did, huh? I think so. I think. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people feel that Trump's not the right guy to go forward in 2024. You know, I don't care to comment on it at this point. I, right, right. I've talked to a number of folks, but a lot of folks. Well, it depends how, how much you want to piss off the deep state or not, my friend. Well, part of this is he's a, you know, he's a kingmaker. I think Trump could be much more effective as a kingmaker than the actual candidate. But at the same time, he he's out there stirring things up. You know, he, Elon Musk used him recently in this this poll. Should yeah. I bring Trump back or not? Well, he did that, Malcolm, yeah. to figure out where the bots were at. That was a yeah. great way of drawing them out. So, yeah. Yeah. look, I, I'm a believer in military strategy. And if you can get your enemy to mm. show their position and come forward and try to attack when you're when when you know that you're not that that you want them to come out and get them in a trap. Trump can do that. And I think that's something that should be considered. Absolutely. We're going to see how it all plays out here ahead, brother. Thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Malcolm, I always enjoy it. Thank you for having me. All right, my friends. So that is Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He's one of the best in the business. I mean, you hear his opinions. So it makes you think. That's what it's all about here. It's what, it's what our news has come down to, friends. And we got to look at the flip side of these conversations. That's really the point of this broadcast, Viewpoint this Sunday in America Out Loud. Uh, stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. 
Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans, and to all of our dear friends around the globe here, welcome into Viewpoint. We've reported from the very beginning the false COVID numbers and how everything, well, first of all, you got to remember the healthcare officials and the hospitals and the, the industry was incentivized. Uh, they were profited if they had, uh, if it was just COVID, so the guy could die of a heart attack or diabetes or a snot in the nose and oh it's COVID and this is how they all made money of course they joined hands in hands and uh, all this misinformation uh, you know spread around the country around the world and uh, John uh, Baudouin joins us here uh, John is got a career in engineering first of all there, there have been very few people to stand up in the face of this kind of a thing to put themselves on the line. People, and, and that's been widespread. People have run the other way from the truth, uh, being afraid to call out. And because it's been massive, it's been like a tsunami of false information everywhere. Uh, you know, it's the whole Alice in Wonderland thing. You fall down the rabbit hole and you think it's real. Uh, and that's what's really going on with the country. Bring us to the point where you you had an interaction with the university, the Massachusetts School of Law. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. That's right. They wanted me to get that shot in the arm. Yeah, that's kind of where it started with you. They wanted the right. And this is something we speak a lot about on the platform here is these mandates and people who now did you ever get the shot or did you stay away from it? Um, <laughs> I didn't get it. I didn't get it. This is the first time I'm saying I didn't get it. But I, I was going to say you hesitated when you answered that. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> Well, I just think that the fact that everybody asks everybody makes it allowable in society to to ask somebody their personal health information. And oh. it just, you know, it's not right. We, nobody should know. Nobody should ask anybody either. And I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, you're perfect. You're perfect. You couldn't have had a better setup because you're speaking the truth. Listen, I, I would agree with what you say uh, with that information. It was used to be private, but it no longer is. You're so right. Everybody's health and dirty laundry's out on the front lawn. Let me just confess with you now as well, John, so we're on equal level playing ground. I also have not had the shot, okay? Sounds good. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, feel I, bet, bad. I feel bad about the way I went about that, but you're right. There was a pause and then it became awkward. And well, yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's perfect. And I got to tell you what, a lot of our audience would probably fall in the same category. Not all, not all. A lot of them have learned the hard way, uh, sadly, and many people are struggling with that problem as well. Let's go to the core of what you were seeing back at the school you, when you didn't do that. What's the, what's the initial story before you got into really popping this thing loose? Well, um, I'll try to do the, the initial story really fast. As soon as I lost my son four and a half years ago, and I sat on the couch depressed for a couple of years. And um, and then COVID hit, and my, my middle son then said, um, you know, he didn't believe it. And I, I went to prove him prove him wrong and, and prove that he ha he should take it seriously. And uh, within a week, I found out he was right. 
I was wrong. Um, not, not that I was terribly scared, but I, I was scared on St. Patrick's Day in a bar. So I walked out. Um, that was March 17th, 2020. So from the very beginning, uh, I looked at the CDC data and and the New York City Department of Public Health, which had the best uh, data in the world with all the deaths. And then I found an anomaly in the CDC data, the 2014 through 2018 data set. I wrote to the keeper of the records. They have a person's email associated with every file. And I did not receive a response, but the file went down for about a day and a half, 36 hours. And when it came back, the historical data from 2014 through 18 was changed to fit the narrative of what was happening in 2020. The the, the pneumonia influenza, uh, I I call it a checksum, but a parity check, or when you add them up, the totals didn't, didn't work out. And when they came back, yeah, they did. And then it kind of aligned with the pneumonia influenza COVID of 2020. It was very strange. I can't remember the details, but I so know- you that- caught the data being manipulated I- in real time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember, again, I don't remember the details, but I know it happened to me. So if you're asking what set me off, that set me off. I wrote like 11 papers in a couple months. And then um, I started making memes and doing a lot of data. I compared Sweden. I tracked Sweden for well over a year. Um, and they they started out very high, but then they blew away the rest of the world with doing nothing. No masks, no you know distancing, no rules. But then I went to law school. Uh, you know, I told you I lost my son. I, I, uh, I created a website to put my papers on in um, 2020. And, and the, oh, I also sued the governor over the mask issue. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that. You're talking about the governor, uh, Charlie Baker. Yes, yes. So this was 2020. So I have two lawsuits. The first one was the mask issue. And I'm right. deaf in one ear from receiving a shot when I was four years old. Um, a lot of us went, you know, a lot of kids went fully deaf. I only lost hearing in one ear. So I was lucky. <clears throat> and um, I, so I sued over the mask issue. And I said, because I can't see people's lips move. You're depriving me of receiving free speech from others because you've ordered them to cover their mouths. Wow. And it was it was kind of unique in the country and they were afraid of it. So he rescinded Order 31, reissued Order 55 with an exception in paragraph 2B. And the exception was for anybody speaking to anybody hearing impaired or anybody hearing impaired. And that's how they got around my lawsuit. And they took my standing because I no longer had a personalized complaint. And so that was dismissed. But at least, you know, I never had to wear a mask and nobody speaking to me had to wear a mask. So then I'm, I go to law school because I'm kind of in the middle of a, of a lawsuit. And um, I also, my, my son was uh, born the 14th day of the sixth month, 14th day of June. His name is John also. And I wanted to uh, post my papers and, and the lawsuit on the website. My website is viaviravita.com. Um, I was in the car at a red light and I, his friend was very religious, um, very strong in his faith um, kid, really great kid. And I was embarrassed. I didn't know that sounded like a Bible verse, the way, the truth and the life. And so I, I Googled it when I was at a red light and I, I said, way, truth, life, Bible. And Google came back with John chapter 14, verse six, which is mm-hmm. my son's name, wow. his month and his day of birth. And I'm in the car and I start crying. And I put the phone down and the light turned green and all this is all in five seconds. And I hear on the radio the very verse of the song, Sweet Child of Mine. So I got name, chapter, verse, you know, wow. name, date, month and Sweet Child of Mine. All John, of you can't seconds. make that stuff up. 
No, uh, you can't. And, and, you know, it goes on because on the fourth wow. anniversary of his death, I was depressed. I went to the gym this summer and and this guy with a ponytail, he's older, probably like I thought he was around 62. He he saw my hat. And I don't I don't say what kind of hat it was, but he said, I like your hat. <laughs> and sometimes when people say I like your hat, they 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 uh, they don't mean it. It's kind of like, it's sarcastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's sarcastic. And I looked at him and I realized he was genuine, even though, yeah. you know, he seemed like, you know, not my kind of guy, ponytail and everything. Right. And I was kind of in a bad mood and hostile. But then uh, he said, he, just out of the blue, he looked at me and he's like, you know, God loves you. And and then I said, why did you say that? And uh, do you, you don't know what happened today. And, and um, I forget the exact words, but huh. we started talking. And I told him the story I just told you. Yeah. And at the moment that I got to the point where the song on the radio, I said, and it was, and I didn't get to tell him. The reason I didn't get to tell him is because the song came on the radio in the gym and I started wow. crying wow. at that very second mm-hmm. on the fourth anniversary of his death. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry to deviate from it. Exactly. Oh, I find it really. Uh, thank you for doing that. You know, I have to tell you something. And it reminded me, I've got to share real fast with you, John. It reminded me years ago, and it's been quite a few years now, I had to have a jaw surgery, temperament, dibula joint surgery on my jaw 14. Um, I got 19 uh, screws rather than four plates. When people say you got a screw loose, well, that makes sense for me, you know. In my jaw, I was totally reconstructed. I remember coming out of the hospital. It was a very wicked surgery. I, I lost 37 pounds, had to eat with a eyedropper for a long time. And uh, But real quickly, I get into the car uh, when I, after my, my stay in the hospital, my wife is there. She puts the radio on and my, my whole head is wrapped with bandages to keep the swelling down. And I'm going home now after multiple days. And on the radio is playing Rod Stewart. Some guys have all the luck. Some guys. <laughs> I, put my, I put my hand up to my wife. I said, you got to be kidding me, man. I couldn't talk, of course. But anyway, I digress, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. You never know, man. So what I want to ask you now is let me jump forward now, and I want to get into uh, some of the examples of fraud. I want listeners to understand the importance of this, which is really the crux of this story. What are some of the brief, very brief now, for summary, the examples of fraud that you were seeing so people can understand this is real stuff? Yeah, so I sued the governor over getting kicked out of law school, and I created Exhibit F. Exhibit F is where the examples of fraud are. Um, You can find that actually on my website. Uh, So Exhibit F contains two different types of fraud. One is fraud of omission. The other is fraud of commission. Omission would be a vaccine death where they uh, did not mention the vaccine at all. Fraud of commission would be acute fentanyl intoxication, um, overdose, fentanyl overdose that they tested the dead body for COVID and they wrote COVID as a cause of death. That, that's not supposed to be written there. It's not, it has no causal relationship to the death. And also blunt force trauma to the head, blunt force trauma to the torso. And in fact, several uh, vaccine deaths with onset of symptoms within five minutes, death within a couple of days, and they write COVID on the death certificate and they don't write uh, the vaccine. And therefore, parents run out and get their kids vaccinated because they're afraid the kid died from COVID that the news said, that the death certificate said, but really the kid died from the vaccine. Well, there was a lot of hidden games playing with the vaccines, weren't there? You know, people oh, yeah. got them in. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right. Uh, between that and uh, and pushing these mandates and then fudging all the deaths. Do you realize the kind of money, the scope of dollars that the the hospitals and the doctors and the healthcare were making on this thing? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the CARES Act is one of the exhibits in uh, in my lawsuit, or at least a reference to it. And, uh, you know, they get $9,000. Uh, AOC was very happy to have that put in, added to it, $9,000 in funeral expenses for any family that allows the government mm-hmm. to write COVID on the death certificate. Yeah. Yeah. And so many of them opted for that because in their grief, they let another family member say, you know, I don't care. I, I lost my kid and it, it's tough. And so you right, go do right. what you want to do. And they're like, okay, it's nine grand. Let's take it. You know? Right. So all of this, let, let's now point out what should be obvious to folks here, John, all of this built this massive narrative and also created, I mean, wow, such a fear campaign of fear, fear, fear. I, I know it's a hard question, but what really is the overarching, what, what's, what's the motive here? I mean, you, you've concluded completely with all of the data you pulled that I mean, things are not on the up and up by any stretch. Uh, so are you 100% convinced of that? Number one, I don't want to put words in your mouth. And number two, what do you really, what's your gut tell you the motive is, please? Talk to me. So the, well, the motive is different on every level, right? So a nurse is different from a doctor, is different from a hospital administrator, is different from a legislator, is different from a, a governor and so forth. Um, the motives, the, the doctors have all been threatened and coerced by the American Board of Internal Medicine, American Board of Pediatrics, American Board of Family Medicine. Still to this day on their on the website of the American Board of Internal Medicine, you see the, a, a letter to all doctors in the nation that if they spread vaccine misinformation, which is not defined, then they'll have their, their board certifications revoked or suspended. Yeah. Um, also, there's licensure, licensure boards that are state run. Uh, you look at what they're doing in Merrill Nass. It, it's it's horrendous that they, they've threatened and coerced all these doctors and most of them are afraid. So they don't speak up about the vaccine, especially in Massachusetts. Very few report to VAERS, even though they're supposed to and, and so on. With so you think, to- hold on, let me interject. So you think most of them, because we've all questioned that point. So you think a lot of these doctors and the healthcare industry as a whole, many of them went along to get along, uh, afraid to stand out for the truth. Is that why that whole industry tipped over the way it did? You think that's that was it, huh? Yeah, I believe so. And this isn't just my guess. I've, I spent uh, three and a half hours uh, going over hundreds of death certificates with a medical examiner who was working in Boston at the time. Wow. I've spent um, time wow. talking to doctors who've left the state because they don't want to do what the administrators are telling them to do. They don't want to kill people with remdesivir. They don't want to kill people with a vaccine. And so they're they're actually picking up their families and moving out of state to mm-hmm. states where it's not as required. And, and the few who did speak up, like some of our very own here on our network, John, like a Dr. Peter McCullough, they've threatened his board certifications and tried to run him through the coals. People like Dr. Stephen Latula, uh, who they the, the Oregon Medical Board pulled his license, uh, right? They were called out, right? Yeah, absolutely. They make examples out of these people. They pick the public people so that all the other doctors hear about it, know about it, and are uh, coerced and threatened, and and they live in fear of losing their livelihood, which they spent you know their, all their all their time and energy uh, you know creating a career. Um, Dr. Ira Bernstein up in Canada, <coughs> I, I consider him a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, what they're doing to him is terrible. With the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario (CPSO), yeah, the same yeah. thing's happening up there as down here. What is your your lasting message uh, to your fellow Americans? What is it, please? The data in the immunization information system of every state, the decedent data belongs to the people. There's no privacy of a vaccine death uh, vaccine date in those systems. So every any state that allows me in, 
I will correlate the death certificate database to the information and immunization information system database of, of any decedent. And within a week, I will find thousands of deaths. If a, if a decent sized state, maybe 3 million people or more were to allow me in, it'll be over in a week. The world will know. And, and you know, good or bad, you know, maybe I won't find any, maybe I'll find a lot. I guarantee you I'll find more than a thousand per state of vaccine deaths very easily. And I'll, I'll correlate them and it'll be over. A tremendous thank you to John uh, Baudouin and uh, appreciate he's really a hero in all of this stuff, uh, reaching out and doing the kinds of things he's doing. Uh, and um, we'll put the link to that website right on uh, America Out Loud on the uh, when the show goes to podcast, of course, uh, later Sunday afternoon, friends. Um, now, before we move it along here as well, I want to give a shout out to the power, and I do mean the power of healthy cell. There is nothing like it. Uh, I, I'm a test. I'm a testament to it right here. I've been taking it for five years, and it's remarkable uh, because it helps all it, our immune system. Which back to COVID, I mean, a healthy immune system is is the best defense against any of these superbugs, viruses, influenzas, what have you, bar none. The thing I like about healthy cell is the microgels. So you get the maximum absorption into your body. That's the key, friends. Instead of those old chalky vitamins we used to take as kids, this thing is a microgels in a little package in your mouth, just like when you used to run the marathons and they give you that quickly. You, know, you put it in your mouth and keep running. That's exactly what this is here. Or you can put in a couple ounces of water. I do that as well, which I take some other things with it. Uh, but immune super boost is incredible. And you get vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract. I mean, this is a powerhouse for our bodies. Uh, so our listeners get 25% off that first order. Just to use the code out loud. It's healthycell.com forward slash out loud. Or as always, our, our partners are back at americaoutloud.com. You'll see we only partner with those products that elevate our lives, uh, to be sure. So you'll see all that back at americaoutloud.com. All right, we're going to take a, a quick pause here and uh, interesting gentleman coming up next here. We'll be introducing you to and we'll get into some energy and see, uh, uh, talk about some of these challenges we're having in the energy field. Uh, stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Well, nothing has impacted our lives more than energy. Energy, 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 friends. I mean, let's let's face it. And this is one of the big stories that uh, I think most Americans felt was going to uh, really tilt uh, the midterm elections, in fact. Uh, because when you don't have your economy and you're spending, you know, twice, three times as much as you should at the pump, well, those are real kitchen table issues, as they call it, friends. And so that is an impact to uh, to Americans everywhere. And that doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, or probably even a communist, for that matter, frankly. 
Uh, so we'll talk a little bit of energy in this part of the broadcast here. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday here. And let's bring on here Matt Cody joins us, and he is the founder and the president of the Oil and Gas Workers Association of America. And uh, Matt, good to have you on Viewpoint this Sunday. Thank you for joining me, brother. Malcolm, thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be here. So let's, I want to first start, I love to start these things at 30, 35,000 feet. Here's what I'm thinking. You have, you have the Biden administration comes in, changes all the energy policies from day one. But it, it, you know, here's the thing about it. In a, in a smoke and mirrors campaign, this was all announced even before Biden was put into office. You had Bernie Sanders and the Unity Task Force, you remember, and all of that New Green Deal, AOC, Kumbaya stuff that uh, wind and solar were going to run the empire and the elimination of fossil fuels and Paris agreements and all kinds of funny things. This was all announced, yet Americans gave the wheel to Biden well, I think a good place to start. Uh, do you think, Matt, that people were really aware of the fact that uh, they didn't read? Well, you know, it's like when you sign that, when you check off the box and say, I understand the user agreement. Did, did, did Americans read the fine uh, print here on this thing? No, Malcolm, uh, they didn't. And um, these misguided policies are what have caused this energy crisis. Uh, you know, you went back even as far as uh, Barack Obama. Of course, when he was president, the Shell Revolution in America happened, and Barack Obama and Joe Biden were the beneficiaries of that Shell Revolution, not the instigators. They wrote our industry to better jobs numbers, increased exports, a growing GDP, and a roaring economy until towards the end, they really weaponized the EPA to hurt U.S. producers, service companies, landowners, investors, and cost a lot of Americans our jobs. We're seeing that same weaponization of the EPA and other federal agencies again today. But most people do not have the information. You see, uh, a lot of people think that all Biden supporters or all AOC supporters are stupid. They're not stupid. And I'll tell you a story. Hmm. Last year during the Texas legislature's first special session, I was in Austin and I wound up talking with a 20-year-old college student from the East Coast, comes from money, uh, uh, which was weird. He was a Democratic Socialist and an AOC supporter. He was in Austin for the summer and on his way to the West Coast for college. We were talking about global emissions and the global oil and gas industry. And whenever he was presented with the facts about how America's oil and gas workers reduced emissions by 12 percent from 2005 to 2019 and that China's emissions grew by about 70 percent during that same time period, this young college student, AOC supporter, mm -hmm. said, you know what? You're right. It doesn't make sense to kill USA oil and gas jobs. Getting information to people is really the greatest challenge we have. Now, the White House says, uh, and let me read this to you. On day one, President Biden fulfilled his promise to rejoin the Paris Agreement and set a course for the United States to tackle the climate crisis at home and abroad, uh, reaching net zero emissions economy wide by no later than 2050 now is what they're saying. OK, man. As, as part of re-entering the agreement, and he also launched a whole-of-government process organized for his national crime debt, blah, 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 blah. Now, the White right. House says, to, at a crux, they say, creating jobs 
and tackling climate change go hand in hand. First of all, wind and solar, I mean, well, let me just ask you straight out as a, as a, as a man of the oil and gas, and is wind and solar capable of running our energy here in the United States? No, it's not. We've seen the failures of intermittent wind sources in the EU, specifically look at Germany, and then also look here in the United States at California. Um, wind and solar are incredibly costly and wholly unreliable. Right. Uh, oh, we, we can't depend on those energy sources. American oil and gas is reliable, affordable. So, so Matt, let me ask you this now. If, they, if that's the case, and we know when the solar is incapable of doing that, and yet they're trying to sink the fossil fuel industry, what is their game plan to kill the fossil fuel industry by 2050 and really to hit it hard even by 2030, the end of this decade? What is their game plan, please? you have any idea? If you look at the global industry, um, it would suggest that the game plan is to completely kill USA oil and gas producers and leave all of our oil and gas holdings subject to acquisition by the super majors in China and other foreign countries, because that's all these environmental regulations that are unnecessary and jobs killing do. Right. You see the Biden administration rolls out methane emissions rules, which really hurt U.S. operators. Meanwhile, Joe Biden runs to Venezuela for oil. I don't think Joe Biden's methane emissions rules uh, apply to Venezuela. Well, well, let me ask you that as well. That's another thing I can't wrap my mind around. And you're you're so good to point it out, but you're, you're right. Like, we're happy to go to, you're right, Venezuela. We're happy to go to any of the cats in the Middle East, um, any of our uh, adversaries, no problem. Uh, uh, you know, we're, wherever, however. And then yet they put out this narrative about the climate, the sky has fallen, and we're all going to die here in 12 years if we don't do something drastic. But yet, if we're doing those drastic things in those countries, it is still the same planet, is it not? And how is it that not doing it here is beneficial to the world, but doing it in Iran, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, uh, somewhere else is perfectly okay for the planet? Can you answer that one? Man, you make so many great points. And you're absolutely right. If you believe that oil and gas and burning fossil fuels creates emissions that cause climate change, why would you ever want countries with far less environmentally conscious standards to produce oil and gas? Why not produce it here in, in the USA, Amen. where we produce uh, oil and gas in the most environmentally conscious manner? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't make sense. But again, that goes back to getting the information to people. Yeah. And, and, that, and we need we need the carbon footprint. Let me also argue back this way here. I, I think you might even understand and uh, I hope listeners understand that we need the carbon footprint. We need if you want a green earth, if you want to, if you want us all to be able to breathe, we have to have this. If we cut it all off, we're, we're going to be screwed. Uh, so and we're, and we're not in any danger. Actually, you know what? I've talked to plenty. Of, we actually need more, not less. So I'd say everybody light it up. Absolutely. You know, elementary school science, we all remember carbon is the building block of yeah. life. Why would you ever want to cut that out? That's it, buddy. I mean, how, why can't people understand that truth? I don't know. I mean, we've forgotten such good things as carbon is the building block of life and great Dr. Seuss books. We really need to go back to the basics and remember 
the basics. <laughs> Talked about how these uh, wind and solar will create jobs. Let's go back to Joe Biden's campaign promises. Okay. He and Vice President Harris said on the campaign trail that they were going to create 10 million clean energy jobs. Well, let's do a, a lie counter here. Um, last year, Joe Biden tweeted uh, between the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, I couldn't remember which one it was, uh, but between that and uh, some other bill uh, that they were going to create 4 million clean energy jobs. Now, if you're keeping count, 4 million is 6 million less than the 10 million they promised on the campaign trail. So everybody playing along at home, that's 6 million fewer jobs that Joe Biden is promising to create. Now, what Joe Biden doesn't tell people is that studies show that retooling American manufacturing plants will take three to four years. And so if you're going to try to retool our entire power grid within the next three to four years, mm -hmm. the largest portion of that wind and solar is going to be imported, which means not as many American jobs as what you were promised. Yeah, man, what really concerns me at this point of the fight on energy is the the cabal of the handlers, the administration and the globalist movement they're very, very good at doing distractive politics. They throw out distractive uh, things for us to debate and talk about at the water cooler while they continue to sink us. In other words, we're debating the debate, the evil agenda already to say, well, maybe we do this, but not that. But yet the whole thing is insanity. It's beyond a Dr. Seuss novel. Uh, it's crazy stuff we're talking about here. And that's where we're going down the rabbit hole right now and a lot of these talks and things we have. So right now, they've got this. Let me just now bring this up and ask you this. Twenty. All right, they're saying 2030, we're going to do this, 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 and this and work toward a net zero emission. By 2050, we want to shut the lights off. If they succeeded to that point by 2050, it, would, it, would it not be safe to say that we would be back in the early 19th century, Matt? Uh, very close to it and largely dependent upon foreign oil. And we've seen right. uh, with Germany and the problem they're having with Russia and uh, Nord Stream right. and uh, all of the. It sinks us down to third world level status on a derail life as we know it in America, isn't it? That's it. And even Elon Musk said that ending oil and gas would uh, cause civilization to crumble. Right. Their motive. What I mean, what does your gut tell you? What is the real motive here? What What are they after? Is Is it to, to destroy the United States? The United States. That is that is what it the is? Motive. Yes, because in 2019, our vital oil and gas industry supported 11.3 million jobs nationwide and 7.9 percent of our nation's GDP. We were booming. America was roaring. It was an economy that benefited all Americans. And so I truly believe that those who are controlling the White House right now are, are set out to destroy our whole nation. When you talk about distractive politics, you're exactly right. And one of my favorite actors is Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And, now, and now you see me whenever he's explaining the bank vault trick. He says that when a magician tells you to look up here. The trick is over there. That's what we're seeing from this uh, White House administration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's that old shell game is what you're speaking about. We're, which shell is the ball under, you know? That's it. Yeah, we're not talking about shell oil here, but it is the shell game or something like that. All right, let me bring it to a crutch now of another point I, I, I'd love to get your opinion on because, and I just want to remind listeners that 
And you were on the Fox and Friends interview some time ago talking about this. They kind of pulled you in with, well, the, what's happened in the energy field, but also the student loan forgiveness business, which I thought was quite a juxtaposition of two issues and how they're intertwined as far as economics go. And so we see what's happening now that with the Supreme Court going to be ruling again on this. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do. I don't know if you have a, a tea leaves, if you've read the tea leaves yet or have any idea what the Supreme Court will rule on for what appears to be unconstitutional with giving money away by the, by the barrel load uh, that the, the president is not the legislative branch. I mean, he can't do what the House of Representatives can do and spend money that way. But anyways, we'll see where that goes. But let's let's t- t- talk about that a little moment. Your feelings, and because uh, I thought it was a pretty good interview you had there, where you talked about these uh, loan repayments that are right now on pause. By the way, uh, you know, with with an administration as you just stated that is out of control, what do you make of that with the student loan forgiveness program, and yet the energy with the debacle that's happened in the energy field? Where do you think this all goes? You know, it goes to destroying the middle class and to drive in a wedge uh, between people who didn't take out loans and those who did. It really benefits the liberal elite who think they're smarter than everyone else. Um, They signed up, they took out loans. And uh, like I said that morning on Fox and Friends to Ainsley, this is one more slap in the face to oil and gas workers who didn't take out that loans, who many uh, Americans who have set themselves against our industry and our jobs view as stupid or uneducated. Um, uh, and so we saw early on that the Biden administration was kicking oil and gas workers out of man camps, uh, hotels, low cost housing, while they were still working to kill our jobs. This student loan forgiveness plan that I, I fully expect SCOTUS to rule is unconstitutional. Right. It's just one more slap in the face. And it, it's a slap in the face to every American. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's well said. Now, your website, as I understand, is uh, OGWAUSA.com, right? That's correct. Okay, we'll put links when this does go to podcast later Sunday afternoon after this uh, on talk radio. We'll put links uh, in there for that. And uh, man, listen, you're welcome back anytime. It is a privilege to get your perspective and your insight. You're really well spoken. Thank you, sir. Hey, Malcolm, thank you for having me on. Let me just tell you that it is an honor to get to be on your show and uh, uh, to get to speak about American oil and gas workers. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You know, I have to tell you, friends, uh, here's a guy who loves Dr. Sue so much as my as I do. And then he thanks me for the privilege of being on when it surely is my privilege. So you can't. Hey, that's two, two ups. You can't beat that now, can you? <laughs> uh, listen, what a terrific program here. A big thank you uh, up front of the program to Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, uh, John Baudouin. Uh, what a what he's done here with the whole COVID thing and the death certificates. Remarkable. And Matt Cody here, founder and president of Oil and Gas Workers Association. The bottom line, friends, is that uh, it is all smoke and mirrors. If you haven't learned anything, when the illogical becomes logical uh, to those making the decisions, well, then you know we're screwed. <laughs> uh, basically, it's time to change that program right there and that narrative here. It's going to have to only happen with we the people. That's where it starts. That's where it ends here. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.